0: All right, good morning. Today's Daf and Beitza Gimel. We are on the very bottom of Beetz, the second Daf here in uh, the Mesechta. So we are dealing with the halachas of Yantov over, over the course of the Mesechta. Uh, the first, uh, first Pesach of the Mishnah, it's Beitza Shenol de Yontov. So if you have an egg, which is laid on Yantov, so you're not allowed to eat it low socha. Machlok between Beisham and Beisil. But obviously our focus over here on Chitah's Beisil, that one is not allowed to eat the egg. Now, why not? So uh, the easiest guess would be because it's nola. That's a That's a pretty good guess. And now Not only is that a pretty good guess, but that's what the Gemara at least entertained in the first part of yesterday's daf, the uh, through uh, the Ahmad Aleph and a portion of the Ahmad Bay. So uh, the Gemara thought that it was some form of mukza in terms of what is going to prohibit uh, us from uh, from eating the egg. Now the um, now it is a it is a great suggestion, but uh, as the Gemara pointed out, so you're going to have to make a couple of assumptions. Number one. Uh you're gonna to have to assume that the uh the chicken in question, the mother in question, is was not set aside for consumption, because if the mother was set aside for consumption, I if you could the mother, if I could check the mother, and then certainly I can eat the egg. Uh the Gemara's expression yesterday was uchla Uh then the egg just simply becomes another part of a piece of food. So if the mother is food, so then the egg is for sure food and for sure there shouldn't be a muksa, a muxa issue. So in order to even entertain the discussion of muxa, so we're gonna to have to assume that the chicken in question over here was set aside, was designated for egg laying. And as a result of that, the egg that comes out is going to be muksa because the mother is muksa. So the Gemara says, "Well, if that's all, all that's true." So the Gemara has a really outstanding question on, on Ravnach. When I say outstanding. I'm not talking about how good it is. I'm talking about the fact that the Gemara just simply couldn't answer it. And that is, is that uh, well, why then are we talking about the egg? Why aren't we, why aren't we talking about the mother, or, or at least why aren't we talking about both? Meaning, if the if the mother not set aside for Yantif, so then we, the Mishnah should say something along the lines of. The egg is also, and the mother's also as well, uh, al uh, muksa. So it is not, it is an, it, it's a unsatisfactory explanation of the Mishnah. And so the Gemara went through a, uh, another try. A second try that we saw yesterday was that of Rabba. Rabba says that the reason why you're not allowed an egg is because it violates the Issa Daraisa of Ha'chana. Now Ha'chana over here, a really interesting Issa Daraisa, uh, which as we're going to see over the course of today's daf, not everyone subscribes to it. So uh, it's a great trivia, uh, it's a great piece of trivia, like what are isuri Daraisa, was, which is subject to a debate, right? Uh, the uh, I, I don't want to I don't want to pa- I mean now's a great time to pause and think about it. But I, off the top of my head, it's it's, some, it's a really interesting phenomena, where according to a Rubber, we're talking about something which the Torah prohibits. And other Marayim uh, are, are of the position. No, the Torah doesn't prohibit it. Okay, so what is a chana? So the idea behind Hanah is that when the Torah introduced us to the Man, so the Torah says that the Man is going to be prepared from a weekday to Shabbos. Right, the Pasuk, the Gemara quotes is in Parshish so it's uh, Friday. Friday is typically a weekday. So yes, Yantav could fall out on Friday, but typically it's a weekday. And so what the Torah is telling us is that in order to have a Hasmana a proper preparation, for Shabbos and Yontav, we're assuming right now is the same thing. Shabbos, Yontav, doesn't matter. It has to be done from a weekday. The hachan has to be done from a weekday. I already made this point yesterday, but it's, it bears repeating. It's a really difficult understand, uh, concept to understand. What do you mean you have to prepare things from a weekday to Yontav? On Yontav, you're allowed to cook. You're allowed to prepare on Yontav itself for Yontav. So the idea behind Hasmana hachana, as, uh, as Rabbah understands it, is that all that's true, but in other words, there must be an actual verbal designation on the food that you plan on eating going into, uh, into, into and it must be from a weekday, okay? So that means to say that the food, you could verbally designate the food even though it's not fully prepared, even though you still got to cook it. But that's not a violation of Akhana. Ah, uh, but the egg is a violation of Akhana. How is the egg a violation of Akhana? So the, so this got a little bit complicated. A little bit. Not, not, not terribly. Uh, but it's a violation of Akhana because Rabbis is uh, suggesting that our Mishnah is not talking about where it's a Yantav by itself or a Shabbos by itself, but rather it's talking about where Yantav and Shabbos are back to back. And on top of that, you have to add an assumption. The Gemara assumes that any egg that was laid was, was, was ready, was prepared one day earlier, 24 hours earlier. Again, as, as I pointed out yesterday, the the eggs are edible even earlier. We're, in fact, we're going to see that later in this uh, in this very parak. But okay, that's an assumption the Gemara makes, and and so obviously with that assumption in mind, so when the egg comes out on, let's say it's a Shabbos yantiv, and the egg now is is laid on yantiv, so that means that when was it muhan? When was it? When was it a sign designated one day earlier, which is Shabbos? So it's a violation of hachana according to Rabbah. Now, the Gemara points out, this again, all just a review of yesterday, uh, the Gemara pointed out, well, that would make sense if it's Shabbos, Yantiv, Yantiv, Shabbos. But if it's just a regularly stand, stand-alone Yantiv, so when the egg is laid on Yantiv, that means it was a, it was designated in a sign, uh, 24 hours early, which is a weekday. So what, what should be the problem over there? And our Mishnah certainly seems to be suggesting that even in such a case, it would be problematic. It would be prohibited. So to that, the Gemara, uh, to that, the Gemara says that the, uh, you're right. Uh, but because is looking at an Daraisa, so, gzera, meaning that if we get comfortable with the idea of eating eggs laid on yontif, we're not going to discriminate between a standalone yantif or a yontif following shop. So, the Chachamim made gzera. Okay, that's the uh, that was the second explanation of Rabbah. And now, this morning, we're going to do explanations numbers three and four, in terms of why the egg is prohibited. So, we find ourselves on the very bottom of Be- Bezim and Bez, two lines from the bottom. So, Rav Yosef says it's a rabbinic decree that one is not allowed to eat the egg. Why? Uh, because of fruit that falls off of a tree on Shabbos or on Yom So, so he says, wait one second, you have to slow down over here. So, perish on time am I. So, when it comes to fruit falling off of a tree on Shabbos or on Tov, why am I not allowed to eat it? Because, So, that's a rabbinic decree okay. in which what's going to end up happening is, is that once I'm enjoying the fruit that fell off the tree, so then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go up the tree and I'm going to start picking more fruit. So... Uh, so now, fruit that fell off of the tree is a And now, what do you want to do? You want to extend the Xeradrabanan to eggs coming out of, a, uh, out of a hen. And although it's a similar idea, in fact, in just a moment, we're going to talk about its similarity. Of an egg coming out of a, out of a hen and a fruit falling off of a tree, but the fruit falling off of a tree already is xeret rabanan and the gemara says, "And you know the rule, so he goof van and So what are we going to do? We're going to make xerah on top of xerah, meaning that's not how xerahs work. Xerahs are a buffer to the Torah, but you only make one xerah and you don't make a Xera, a second xerah. So the gemara says, "Kula Yeah, but this is all about one xerah. Really interesting Rashi over here. Rashi says, "What does that mean?" It's one xerah over here. So Rashi says that it was a a historical event, meaning that when the Chachamim uh, made made the Gzerah instituted the enactment of Nati fruit from the tree at that time historically, they also included eggs as well. Since the egg coming out of a hen is so similar to that of a uh, of a fruit falling off of a tree, so that was all part of the uh, part of the gzera. But from Rashi's standpoint, the when the Gemara says Kulachad it means that at the time of the Gzerah they instituted, meaning it was a it was a historical phenomenon. Okay, how, how is it similar? What's the equivalent of going up on the tree and pulling down a fruit Go, for a chicken? Going, on the up on the tree, going up on the tree and pulling off a fruit is an eszadarisa. Right. If the fruit fell on its own, the chachamim incorporated that as part of the gzera. The Gemara says that in that gzera, they also said that we just don't want the idea of when something falls from another item and then we pick it up, that was also part of the gzera, including an egg coming out of a hen. Meaning that the egg coming out of a you're not pulling the egg out of the hen, but... If we could just stay comfortable with this idea that when the egg comes out, that's the produce of the hen, so then we're going to do the same thing with the fruit. In other words, we're going to then also be comfortable with the idea of just simply collecting the fruit that fell off the tree. And again, all that's, all that's part of one gzera, lest, lest we, we go up and we actually pick the fruit ourselves. Is the gzera that, that was established after Bichamah? I mean, how come Bichamah doesn't, doesn't hold by this gzera? We don't... Um, Right, and then what comes out now is that right? So my focus is whether you subscribe or not subscribe to Xero. That's not that's not foreign. Uh, the idea that I mean, like, they, was it established before the summer and they just disregarded it, or it was established after ex- the ex- 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 Excellent question. Excellent question. I, I just simply don't have enough information to answer, but it is just it is it is it seems to be right on. But there are a number of occasions where we see. The Chachamim are arguing whether there was or was not Xera, and just the simplest explanation I can I could suggest to you is that the uh, you, you could be talking about the really early stages of the Xera, and it's a question of whether it took or whether it didn't take. Remember, Xera has to really take uh, take hold. Okay, but I'll, I'll leave that I'll leave that I'll leave that alone. Uh, but your but your point is is very well taken. Okay, now. Uh, the uh, there is a lengthy discussion to be had. We're not going to have the lengthy version of the discussion. I'm just going to touch on it, but it's a really fundamental issue. And you could see the is over here, the long is over here, that he deals with it. And that is what's going to happen is, is that I might climb a uh, climb a tree and pick off a fruit. Okay. Um, we're going to learn over the course of this Masech that's like one of those large issues that come up in Masech Tbeitzah that Ochel oh, Nefesh is Mitzvah on Shabbos. I can the yantif and I can cook on yantif and you can carry on yantiv, and we'll talk about a couple of other malachas as well. So, so the um, so and why? Because the Torah gives an allowance for us to eat on but not only eat, but prepare the food that we're eating on yantiv, and even at the expense of violating malachas. Okay. So now, what the Gemara has just taught us is is that the reason why we're not allowed to eat the egg that comes out of the hen or the fruit that fell on the tree is for concern that I may climb up the tree and pick the fruit on Shabbos. I certainly understand. On What's the problem on Yantiv if I go to a tree and pick off a fruit? Meaning, am, am I not allowed to cook anyantiv to have uh, pre- uh, food prepared? Am I not allowed to anyantiv? on Yantiv to have fresh fruit? To, uh, to have fresh food? So why can't on Why can't I go ahead and pick a fruit off of a tree? Okay. Now that is a really fundamental question, meaning it's clear from the Gemara that you're not allowed to pick the fruit off the tree on but why not? So Tosos over here goes on a lengthy discussion. And basically, uh, Tosos has a couple of approaches, but one of the approaches of Toshuz, uh he quotes the name of the Yushami, is that even though there's a hetar v'ochel nefesh, but there's a cutoff point. Meaning that only the last malachas are allowed, but earlier malachas, as part of the earlier part of the process, they're not allowed. Now, is that Midar Is that Midar That's where the discussion gets a lot longer. And, 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 and to really explore this topic well, so the Dafyomi does not provide the, the ample time for it. However, it is a really fundamental point, And here's what we could say definitively. You can't put, you can't pick a, a fruit off of a tree on Even though Ochal Nefesh is allowed, but you're not allowed to pick the fruit off of the tree. And then you just have to work out, well, what's the difference between that versus cooking versus shechting an animal? Okay. But it's a, it's a really worthwhile, it's an important endeavor. And it's kind of funny that the Gemara itself never really draws that line super clear. We know what's prohibited, we know what's permitted, but where to draw the line, how to draw the line, who's drawing the line? Okay, that, that requires a lot of analysis. Anyway, next, we are in Yomel Madal, for three lines down, Rabbi Mashkin Shazavu. So according to Rabbi Yitzhak, the issue is, is the um, fruit that, uh, the juice that comes out of a fruit. So, G'zerah uh, Mishum, Mashkin Shazavu. Mashkin Shazavu, am I? So what? Uh, juice that comes out of a fruit? So what's the reason over there? So, G'zerah Mishum, so the Gemara says, well, I know what the reason is. In other words, you're going if, to, if I, if, if juice comes out of the fruit on its own, right, it was a particularly juicy fruit, or, or let's say you were just cutting the fruit and a whole bunch of juice comes out and, and with no, you had no, you had no intention to do so. Or let's, let's keep it even simpler. In other words, it just came out on its, on, on its own. It was just, it, the, the juice uh, just, just uh, oozed out on its own. So the reason why you're not allowed to enjoy that juice is the rabbis were concerned that once you start enjoying the juice, you're going to go ahead and squeeze the fruit, which is an isa and now the Gemara is saying is that the the egg coming out of a chicken is analogous to the case of the juice coming out of the fruit. But the Gemara says, wait one second. We're already dealing with gzera number one. This is going to sound very familiar. Though we're already dealing with gzera number one of juice coming out on its own. And now you're going to add on top of that another gzera. So he go for and So kula He said the gemara says the same thing over here. It's all but one xera. Now you'll notice that the last two answers that we ju- that we just gave sound awfully similar to one another. If right fruit, fruit from a tree, juice from a fruit, it sounds awfully similar to one another. So stay tuned. The gemara is going to explore that point in just a second. Uh So now the gemara says after having going through four different approaches of why the egg is prohibited. So the gemara now is going to make a, sum- a summary statement. What's wrong with the first approach? The Gemara says, "Okay, good. So just chazaring." So we know what's wrong with the first approach. Why, if the issue is muksa, like Rav Nachman's insisting, why is the Mishnah focusing on the egg? The mother's also muksa as well. It has to be. So then, not only should the mother uh, should, should the egg be muksa, but the mother should be as well. And it would only cost the Mishnah one word to include the mother as well. The right, the language of the Gemara yesterday was "he uveitsa sa. Okay, so 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 the Rav Nachman approach is really difficult in terms of explaining our Mishnah. And and what, what, what about Rav's second explanation of Achana? Well, the other Amoraim don't subscribe to Achana. Right? I, I told you this was coming. Here it is. So here the Gemara says very candidly that not every Amora agrees with Rav in terms of the Isser of Achana. Okay. Right. Uh, please come come up with another example. I'm, I'm, I'm challenging myself. Come up with an, another example of something which, according to one Amor, is an Nisod Daraisa, and according to another Amor, is not. Okay. The Ella Rav Yosef, my time ala Amakarib Yitzchak. So, uh, so now the last two explanations. So the Gemara says that they're they're awfully similar to one another, but there's got to be a difference. Meaning, why didn't one Amor agree with the other? So Rav Yosef, my time ala Amakarib Yitzchak, ala Chabitzo Uchla Uchla Lafuki Mashkin De Lav Uchla. Because when making the comparison, so obviously it's a, it's a much better comparison to compare an egg to a fruit. They're both food. Now, now this part is, a, is admittedly a little bit tricky. Because egg in its raw state is liquid, but I guess because of its viscosity, I guess the Gemara describes that as a food. Either way, it's a, it's a better comparison than to compare eggs to juice that comes out of the fruit. And, and as far as and as far as Rabbi Yitzhak is concerned, now the juice is a better comparison because a juice coming out of the fruit—the juice was originally absorbed in the fruit, much like the egg was absorbed in the in the hen. Unlike the unlike the fruit on the tree, where it's not absorbed, it's it's, it's staring you right in the face. Okay, so Adkan, that bring, brings us to the end of our first real real sentence of the Masachta. Granted, it's a really it was a really long sentence, and the truth of the matter is is that we got a little bit more to go. But it's a, it's so far been one Q and four A's. Q. Why is the egg also according to uh, according to Basilo, when it is laid on Yantiv? And the answer is four different answers by the Amoraim: Rav Nachman, Rabba, Rav Yosef, and Rav Yitzchak. Good. The Gemara says Vaf Rav shazavu. Now the Gemara is going to make a point over here. It's going to take us to the end of our first Amud, and that is Rav Yochanan agrees with this last last approach that the reason why the egg, which is laid on Yantiv, is going to be prohibited. Is because of a zera that uh, if if you enjoy the egg, what we're going to end up doing is squeezing the fruit for its juice. How do I know that Rav Yochanan subscribes to that viewpoint, that last viewpoint? So the Gemara says, "I'll tell you why." The Rav Rami, the Rav Yehuda, the Rav because Rav Yochanan noted a discrepancy within the Shita of Rav Yehuda, and he provided an answer. To none we learned in the Mishnah. So here in the Mishnah, the Mishnah we we saw already back in Shabbos, and that is one is not allowed to squeeze fruit uh, in order to extract the juice. And if the juice comes out on its own, meaning you didn't squeeze the fruit but it came out on its own, it's going to be prohibited. And Rabbi Yehuda Omer motavi aser. Rabbi Yehuda in the Mishnah says it depends on what kind of fruit we're talking about. If a fr- if it's a fruit that you meant to eat. So, under those circumstances, the juice that comes out on its own is going to be okay. If it's a if it's a ju- if it's a fruit that you meant to juice that was designated for juicing, well, if the juice comes out on its own, so I'm then going to be very tempted to go ahead and juice the fruit. So, Rabbi Yehuda makes the distinction of what kind of fruit we're talking about. The de Rabbanan is true, but only for uh, fruits of juicing, not fruits of, of eating. Now, amakol uchlin the Yehuda uchle So, what comes out over here is that according to Rabbi Yehuda. So, when I have a fruit assigned for eating, so anything that comes out of it is just simply part of the, part of its food. Now, very the Gemara says, now I'm bothered because we have another Mishnah, and this we saw in Erevin. So, a person can make a, 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 tana, a condition. Uh, the Mishnah over here is talking about the two days of Rosh Hashanah. Okay, and, and in terms of timing, it's hard to get better in terms of timing. We are, we're almost there. So the, uh, and on the two days of Rosh Hashanah, so let's say the, um, you have a basket of fruit and it's untied, so you can make it tonight. Meaning the two days of Rosh Hashanah, according to this viewpoint, it is not a uni- universally accepted viewpoint. But according to the two, two, uh, this viewpoint, uh, the two days of Rosh Hashanah are considered a suffolk, which day actually is Rosh Hashanah. And so therefore, what you could do is to make a condition. And that is on day number one, you'll say that, look, I didn't take off chumas and Mises. If today is Rosh Hashanah, tomorrow is not. So then the Trumas and Mises will be more fresh tomorrow. And then the next day you'll say... And, and if not, then the uh, then then uh, I'm sorry. And then tomorrow, what you'll do is you'll just make the second half the condition, and that is: look, if if uh, if uh, if today was the if today was a weekday, so then the half takes place today. If yesterday was a weekday, so then I did the half yesterday, and you'll just simply bounce the two days off one off the other. That's the sheet of Rav Yehuda. Uh, the part that we want to focus on is on, on the next part: Beitzah shenol debrishtocho b'sheini, an egg which is laid on day one, you're allowed to eat on day two. Now, why? So again, because one of those days is Yantav, we don't know which one. So if they, if day one was Yantav, suddenly the egg is laid on Yantav, but of course the day after it's fine. Then the second day, if the second day is Yantav, well, the egg was laid on a weekday. And then the second day would be fine. If the second day is Chol, so then the egg would be fine. of shach, either way, the egg is going to be fine. Now, Bisheni and Barishan lo. Now, Rabbi Yehuda says that that's on day two, but not on day one, meaning the egg that's laid on day one, you're not allowed to eat. Now, Rabbi Yehuda says that the two are problematic one for the other, meaning the Mishnah in Shabbos and the Mishnah in Erevin are a stira. Now, one's talking about juice coming out, out of a fruit, and the other one's talking about a egg coming out of an hen. And he feels that it's a stira So already, you get you, you get the Gemara's point, meaning it's only a stira if you believe that the egg coming out of a hen is a derivative of the isser of juice coming out of a fruit. So that means that Rav Yochan, Rav Yochan subscribes to Rav Yitzchak. And, and by the way, as long as we're here, the Gemara gives the answer. So, and, and the only way to make sense out of it says Rav Yochanan is that what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to flip around the sheeta of uh, of Yehuda, uh, so that now we're going to have agreement between the two brises So, and now the Gemara makes the obvious point, which is, is that the only way to stirah is if you could, if you see the case of the egg coming out of the hen as analogous to the case of juice coming out of a fruit. So that means to say that Rav Yochanan agrees with Rabbi Yitzchak that that's the reason why eggs are, are prohibited on Yontif. Now, Ravina Amar, so look, as long as we, as long as we put the two of these together, so Rav Yochanan's answer is, is that what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to flip around the, uh, one of the brises, so that now they, the, the brise is going to be aligned. That, that was one approach, but obviously that's a radical approach. So the Amar, now at this point in time, it's just gonna, uh, give us two other approaches. Ravina Motepach. Ravina says it's not necessary to flip anything around. Ravihuda Devrem De And Ravihuda was not speaking towards his own opinion, but he was addressing the Chachamim's opinion. Look, so, Look, if you ask me, I think it's okay on day one. Why? Because it's just simply, uh, it's just simply a food derivative of its mother, meaning the mother's food, and the egg that comes out is food as well. Meaning, Rav Yehuda just simply does not subscribe to uh, to the prohibition of an egg laid on Yantiv. So, I don't think it's a problem. So, um, but according to you, But look, I understand that you're not going to agree with me on day one. I, I I get it. But on day two, though, you should be okay with the egg, because the two days of Rosh Hashanah are two distinct days of Kedusha. One of them have Kedusha, we just don't know which one. And therefore, you could pit one against the other. So the Gemara says, and the Chacham's response back to Rabbi Yehuda is, "No, no, it's one. It's one Kedusha. The the two days of, uh, of Rosh Hashanah are in fact one long day of Kedusha. What we describe as Yumarichta. So it's a it's a singular day. Okay. But that's a second approach in terms of how to deal with it. Is that Rabbi Yehuda was not espousing his own viewpoint." He was just trying to argue within the Chachamim's viewpoint. And finally, the Gemara gives the third answer. Ravina Amar, Ravina bered D'Revula Ravula Amar. How betana goes? Amelus Rav Yudah is No, over here the the hen under discussion was a hen that was designated for egg laying. I.e., the egg is itself is um, the um, the egg and its hen are muksa. And Rav Yudah subscribes to muksa. It's 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 really that simple. Okay. So, uh, I'd kind that, that takes us to the end of the second part of today's daf, which is is that we just uh, the first part we went through the four different reasons why the egg is prohibited when laid on yantiv. We just noted now in the in the second part of today's daf that Rabbi Yochanan subscribes to Rav Yitzchak that the reason why the rabbis prohibited the egg coming out is because it is a it's a rabbinic concern of 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 of, of, of squeezing. A, a fruit and having the juice extracted. And if uh, if we get comfortable with eating the egg coming out of the hen, so then we're going to end up uh, squeezing the fruit, which is an isudar I Ah, it's, it's a exeril exeril. The government says, no, it's all one exeril. And Rav Yochanan agrees with this thought process. We know that Rav Yochanan th- agrees with this thought process because he pitted two statements of Rav Yehuda, one against the other. And the only way the question even gets off the ground is if you assume that the egg coming out of a hen is analogous to juice coming out of the fruit. Good. And as long as we made, we, we raised the stirrup between the two statements to Yehuda, the Gemara gave two alternative ways of how to deal with it. Okay, mesveh. Okay, so now we are still really on our first topic of the Masechta, and that is the four different reasons why it is that one is not allowed to eat an egg that is laid on Yantif. Mesveh, the Gemara challenges with a Braissa. Echabetzel shenol de B'Shabbes, vechabetzel shenol de B'yantav, ein metalt An egg laid on Shabbos or on yantif. you're not allowed to move it. I can't uh, use the egg as a bottle stopper. Now it's got to be a larger bottle, obviously, but in other words, it's muksa, so you can' you can't do that. let's say your bed is uneven and so what you want to do is you want to prop an egg underneath one of the legs of the bed to make it even. Now admittedly, by the way, doesn't sound like the best thing to support the bed. Probably probably should get something a little bit stronger. But again, it's the same point, which is that it's muqsa. Any shtamshus muqsa any usage of muqsa, is going to be prohibited. And aval, aval kofa ala'zakli, Uh shalot Uh But what you can do, however, is you can take a bowl uh, and, and, and put it on top of the egg in order to protect the egg so that we can enjoy it after yantav. You're not moving the egg. Now, there is a lengthier discussion to be had over here in terms of this, uh, of this maneuver, of taking something which is a non-muqsa item in order to service a mukza item. It's a machlokis in the Gemara and Shabbos between Rev Yitzchak and the Chachamim. Our Gemara over here over here is not subscribing to Sheet of Yitzchak. So there's actually a lot to discuss over here, which I'm quite frankly just gonna, I'm gonna run right over it. Uh, the, um, but it, it's a, it's a, it's a worthwhile endeavor. You could start with Rashi over here. Toshis also makes a comment as well. Anyway, we're gonna go on. And usfeka Asura. And on top of that, let's say it's a Suffolk. We don't know when the egg came out of the hen. Meaning, we, we know that before Yontiv, we, check, we checked the nest, no egg. And we know on Yontiv, we checked the nest, and there was an egg. When did it come out? Unsure. May have came out before Yontiv or on yontiv. That's what's called a suffik. So suffig asuras. So if it's a suffik, it's going to be prohibited. And And if it gets mixed up with other eggs, it's going to be prohibited. Meaning, if that suffik gets mixed up with other ones, all the other eggs are going, to, are, are going to be prohibited. Okay, now the Gemara says, so let us, after having learned this brisa together... So again, the Braisa's simple point is is that the egg is Moksa. But the Brysa added a couple of points over here that now we're going to take into consideration and try to plug in all the explanations that we gave up until this point in time. There are four positions to plug in. But of those four positions, it's really easy to organize. Meaning one position is that it's an Isar da of and the other three positions is that they're variously suri de Rabbanan. Either Moksa or Gzera, Shema, shema Yitlosh, uh, gze, uh, Gzera, Shema Mashkin, uh, uh, okay, what, whatever, uh, the, uh, but it's either an Issa or it's an Issa So the Gemara says, now let's think about it. So now, on, on the case of the B'raisa of Suffolk, so the B'raisa said very clearly that if it's a Suffolk, it's going to be Asr. If the Issa under discussion is an Issa Esa, which is Raba, which is a Chana, so then I understand on a suffix, what do we say when it comes to a suffix on an isadareisa? So we're going to be machmer. I totally get it. But Allah the Rav Yosef, the Rav Yitzchak Dami Mishum Gzera Sveika derabanan he v'chol Sveika derabanan kula But according to Rav Yitzchak and Rav and, and Rav Yosef, and it's interesting by the way, the Gemara doesn't comment, doesn't mention Rav Nachman over here. Okay, and and the Rishonim obviously pick up on that, but. Let's just, let's just focus on Rav Yitzhak and Rav Yosef. And according to Rav Yitzhak and according to Rav Yosef, where the egg coming out in of itself is an Issa Durabanan. So on a Suffolk Issa where do you think we should go? We should be Mako. So the brisa doesn't make any sense. So the Gemara says, you're, you're, you're right. That's, that's problematic. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back to the Brysa. We're going to have to reinterpret the Brysa if we're going to defend the Sheet of Rav Yitzhak and Rav Yosef, which the Gemara is intent on doing. So we're going to have to go back to the Brysa and we're going to reinterpret the brysa. So, say for us on the suffolk trefa. Okay. So, the brysa is shifted on us. And when the brysa was talking about a suffolk, what the brysa was, was making reference to was a suffolk trefa. The hen, the mother, may or may not have been a trefa. We're unsure. Okay, what exactly are the circumstances where it's a suffolk, right? While, while it was, was it during the, the, the mother being alive? We Generally speaking, we really don't know about the status of a trefa, and we generally assume that the animal is not a trefa while it's alive. Okay, so admittedly, just even to get to this point is a little bit challenging where it's a suffix trepha. But let's say we're here. Now of course a trefa if the mother is a trefa, the mother is an daraisa, And on top of that, any anything that it produces, uh, eggs or milk, but because we're talking about birds. So it's not a mammal, we're only talking about eggs. So the eggs that come out of it are gonna be prohibited. Isumina Torah. Right, by the way, same thing is true with a animal that produces milk. Meaning if the animal is a trefa, the milk that it produces is going to be an Isra, an isra Minotara. Right, kola yodze Tame. So over here, the mother is a trefa. Well, we don't know, but it's possible that the mother is a trefa. So, the mother is a trefa, and meaning to say, now it's a suffolk on an Isra Daraisa. That's how we'll interpret the Braisa. Admittedly, by the way, that's a stretch. Meaning the Braisa was first talking about an egg, of mukza and now it transitioned, it shifted right over to the case of the Suffolk where it's now talking about Suffolk Trefa. Okay, let's say, it. it's not an easy way to read the B'risa, admittedly, but it is the defense of Rav, and Rav Yosef. So the Gemara says, I Sefa. So the Gemara says, wait one second. So we're talking about a Suffolk Trefa. Well, that doesn't make sense because look at the next line of the Mishnah, or of that B'risa. It says, Nisar of Fkulan What happens if it's a Tarovis? It's all going to be prohibited. Now, this is going to be ironic and interesting, but it's absolutely true. If you were assuming like, like we were, that we were talking about an egg being us or because of either muksa, or let's say better, or like, like the Gemara said it, either because of shema yalavi itlosh, xera misham mashkin shazavu, if it's one of those, and it's a tarovis that actually will make sense in the braisa. But if we're talking about a suffix trefa, then it doesn't make sense. Why? What's the difference? Gemara goes on to explain because Because we have a concept of davisheshal matirin, and that is is that if something's temporarily aser, don't rely on bittol for a really simple reason, says Rashi. You don't have to, meaning if something is temporarily aser, so we'll wait a day rather than eat the egg via the via the 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 institution of bittol. You know what's going to happen one day? The egg is going to become totally mutter. So don't rely on Bittol on a Davosheish Lamatirin, okay? And, and Rashi's explanation is, Okay, good. But Aliyam are Suffolk Trefa. But if you're suggesting that the Bryce is talking about a Suffolk Trefa, Suffolk Trefa is not a temporary isr; It is now going to be permanently isr, And it should be subject to Bittol. So Davosheish Lamatirin uviti Beruba, and it should become Battle Berov. So then the Brysa doesn't make any sense. So again, I, I, know this is a, this part's a little bit complicated, but the truth of the matter is, if you're following the flow of the Gemara over here, it really, it re, it really is a, it's an organized flow. Meaning we quoted a Brysa, the Brysa talks about the egg being Muksanyantav, but then the Brysa made it, went, went on to make two more points. One is that a suffik Beitza is going to be User. Two, the Tarovis of such a suffik Beitza is also going to be User as well. And now, what we did in the last uh, f- 10, 15 lines of Gemara is we try to plug in, well, who, whose position are we following? If we're following Rabba's position that we're talking about, that the, the egg is an issue of Achana, Achana, Zeneser, Raisa, then I get it. I get, I get the, uh, the, the, the The, price. the price makes perfect sense because we're going to be Machmer on a Safik Daraisa. Uh, the, uh, but if we're talking about an Issa like Rav Yitzchak, uh, uh, suggests, like Rav Yosef suggests, so then on a Suffolk, on a Nisar Darabandu, we're going to be Machmer, we should be Makel. So the gemara says, okay, so, so what we did is that we defended their position. When the brysa was talking about Suffolk, the brysa was not talking about an egg laid on Yanta, but rather it, it, was, talk, it was talking about an egg coming from a Trefa a bird. And obviously it doesn't matter when it comes out, meaning it's going to be prohibited because it's a Suffolk Trefa. And that's why we're going to be Machmer, because it's a Trefa is an Gumar says, yeah, and how does that work with the next point of the brysa? Meaning, and if that egg gets mixed in with other eggs, it's going to be us, sir. So if you were going, like, uh, uh, with, with the idea that it was a temporary iser, so, i.e., suffix, whether it was late on or not late on so then fine. It's Davisheshla Matirin, temporary iser, so don't rely on bittel. But if it's suffix tray then, then it's impossible to understand. Why shouldn't there be bittle? Okay, now the Gemara is at this point in time ready and prepared to answer this question of why would there be Bittal if in fact we're talking about not a devastation matirin, but if in fact we're talking about an Isra that is permanent. Now, so now we get to the issues of of Bittal blockers. Meaning there are sometimes areas in Halacha, yeah, I know. <laughs> sometimes areas in Halacha where, where, where the rabbis prohibit, uh, prevented Bittal. They blocked Bittal. Okay? bittle blockers. So the, uh, and and generally speaking, the idea is, is that the rabbis block bittle when the when when the mixture of items are really significant. Now, significance can be expressed in a number of different ways. We're going to be talking about significance in terms of how things are counted. Are they sold by count? If something is sold by count, so that gives significance to an item, and the, and the rabbi's blocked betel. So the gemara says, well, is it always sold by count, or is it sometimes sold by count? And that makes a big difference. Now, all this is based on a Mishnah. So we see a Mishnah over here in Arla, third parak of Arla. So if I had bundles of now, Tilson, I know I know it's Fenugreek. I still don't know what Fenugreek is. It doesn't matter, huh? You have it, okay, good, good. So the so the um, or oh, and it's it's either uh, either of Kalai Kerem. So you have to destroy it if it gets mixed in with others. You have to destroy it. This is all the position, Rabbi Meir. And the Chachamim say no. There's going to be Bittol now by Kliy Kerem. The ratio for Bittol is one to two hundred. Now, why, why that number? Not for now. Anyway, that's the ratio of Bittal for Kaliah Karim. Shahaya Rebbe Meir, Omer, Eshidarko Limanos, Mikadesh. Now, Rebbe Meir says, well, the, the reason why there's no Bittal is because we're talking about something which is significant. Why? Because it's sold by count. Now, over here, if, if you had a pencil right now, what you would be circling in the Gemara is the statement that Rebbe Meir made. lima Limanos. That which is sold by count. Now, we're going we're gonna to come back to that in just a moment. Now the chachamim say that only six things are going to be uh, uh, blocked for bittul. And Rabbi Kiva Amr Shiva and, and Rabbi Kiva says that there are seven items. And this is a list of six for the chachamim. Again, not not right now relevant to our discussion, but just quickly run through them. It goes a moni ba'dan, chavi susumos, and chilfei tarden vekilchei kru and Rabbi Kiva Moshev afki karshab so please forgive me as I'm not going to try and, and struggle to explain each one of these items. But anyway, these six items for the Chachamim are significant and therefore not going to be subject to Bittal. Now, whatever subject to Arla is Arla, whatever subject to Klai is, is in fact Klai But anyway, in that Mishnah in Arla, Rebbe Meir said that anything which is subject to be sold by count is not going to be is not going to be Mavutal, so it won't be nullified because it's significant. Now, in that statement of Rabbi Meir, he said "s shadarko limanos." The Marla la Rabbi Yochanan maya shadarko limanos. and Rabbi Yochanan ever teaches that mission arla. He always says the words "s shadarko limanos." And Rabbi Shimon Malakish Amar kol shadarko limanos shanino. And Rabbi Shimon says, "No, not s shadarko limanos, but rather kol shadarko limanos." So, Rabbi Shimon Malakish. so according to Reish Lakish, now we are good. Now let's let's put all this together. I Meaning, according to Reish Lakish, you have something that's sold by count. Not exclusively by count, but mo- most of the time, sold by count. And that happens to be in our day and in in age, eggs are always sold by count. Right? You never, we never, in our purchasing of eggs, we, we never buy eggs by a basket. Okay? But in the time of the Gemara, most of the time they were sold by count, but not all the time. So, if you say like Reish Lakish, where Reish Lakish is Nusuch of the Mishnah, is Kol Shaddar limanos, that means that it's generally sold by count, which back in the time of the Gemara, that's eggs. That's a description of eggs. So then it's not subject to bittul. Ah, oh, so why isn't there bittul by eggs? So according to Rish Lakish in his presentation of the Mishnah Arla, the answer is because it's generally sold by count. <laughs> Ella, let me just finish. Let me say just let's just finish the thread. Ella Rabbi Yochanan, my But according to Rabbi Yochanan, the only way that the rabbis block bittul is only if it's exclusively sold by count. And an egg is not exclusively sold by count. Again, things have changed since then, but back then it was not exclusively sold by count. And therefore, it should, in fact, be subject to bittal. And meanwhile, the Bryce had told us that eggs are not subject to bittal. Okay, So um, so that becomes a problem. And what the Gemara is going to do, this is where we're going to pause, and what the Gemara is going to do is that the Gemara is going to present an opinion that says that, yes, there is an opinion out there, uh, the, uh, that we're going to just simply align with this brysa, that even though eggs, according to Rav Yochanan, are generally sold by count and not subject to bitto, but we're going to find a tana who does, in fact, support this position, that the eggs are not subject to bittu, and then we'll take that tana and we'll align it with the brysa. But the next part of the Gemara goes into Tamar's daf, so this will be our pa- pausing point. In, in our age, eggs are set, sold by a dozen, not individually. Yeah. No, but by count so though. A dozen is count. You by by count. Okay. You don't buy a pound of it. By Okay. I know that, but these, Quick. Okay. Yeah. But, but each individual egg loses significant. Business. No, no. So, it's so it's, it's by count is, is is the issue. It's that that's the that's that's the working issue of the gemara. Okay. Let's quickly recap. Okay. In terms of organization today's daf, admittedly, by the way, the DAF, the daf really did jump around. But if once you see the flow, it's good. So, number one, the Gemara, the Gemara, uh, wrapped up the four different opinions in terms of why the egg laid on Yantav is going to be sir. And in the order of presentation in the Gemara since yesterday's daf, it is Rav Nachman, Raba, Rav Yitzchak, and Rav Yosef. Okay. Um, those, those last, uh, sorry. Rav Nachman, sorry. I, right, I almost, I almost got it right. Rav Nachman, Raba, Rav Yosef, Rav Yitzchak. Okay, those are the four. Those are four explanations. The Gemara noted on the Amud Alf of today's daf that Rav Yochanan is in agreement with Rav with Rabbi Yitzchak. That's exera because once we get comfortable with enjoying the eggs coming out of a out of a hen, so the rabbis made exera because then we're going to get comfortable with the idea of extracting the juice from a from a fruit. That was Rav Yochanan's viewpoint. And we know that because Rabbi Yochanan pitted a stirra between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yehuda, and, and 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 had to answer it. And the only way it's a stirra is if he assumes like Rabbi Yitzchak. And then on the Amud Beis of today's daf, after the Gemara giving a couple of other ways of uh, how to how to deal with the stirra in Rabbi Urah, so on the Amud Beis of today's daf and Gemara Amud Beis, we we, we learned the brisa. The egg is moksa, says the brisa. I can't move the egg. I can't. I can't. I can't have the egg do any kind of servicing for me. Anyata because the egg is moksa. Ah, uh, But the Brysa also said that a Suffolk is Usser and the Brysa also said that a tarovis is going to be Usser as well. And what we did with, those, with that last two points of the Braisa is we struggled. Is that Braisa work out better for Rabba? Or does it work out better for Reb Yitzhak, Reb Yitzhak and Reb Yosef? It works out better for Rabba, but the Gemara now spent the rest of today's daf defending Reb Yitzhak and Reb Yosef that even though the Isser of the egg coming out is an Isser de Rabbanan, and normally, of course, on a Suffolk, on an Isser de Rabbanan, we'd be Megal, Ah, uh, but the brysa wasn't talking about suffolk. When, when the egg was laid, it was talking about suffolk <laughs> in terms of the mother that produced it, i.e. the mother was a trefa. And so it's a suffolk on a trefa. So then the next part of the brysa is really difficult. Because if the egg is a suffolk trefa, and it gets mixed in with others, so you're talking now about a permanent iser. so there should be bittl. So what the Gemara is trying to argue, and we're still in that middle of the argument, is that the reason why there's no bittl is because it's a dover but we're trying to wrap our heads around the idea that the egg is a davachashev, but it really depends on how you, how you learn that Mishnah in Arla and what your proper of that Mishnah in Arla is. So for a good, it works out that the egg is a davachashev because it's generally sold by count. But according to Rav Yochanan, it's not a davachashev because it's not exclusively sold by count. And so therefore we are right now trying to figure out how is the egg a davachashev.